we change the placement of the jingle. You know, this this podcast is still a baby and she's subject to change. And, you know, we took a creative risk. I'm saying we as if we have a whole team here. Um, I took a creative risk. Let's just clarify. <laughs> um, I hope your week last week went really well. I hope it went well. I hope the universe has been taking it easy on you. I hope you took a risk that was rewarded in some way. I just hope things went well for you last week. So today's episode is going to be an extension off of last week's topic, but instead of talking about the environmental implications of the fashion industry, we're going to talk about fast fashion. And we'll cover what fast fashion is, how to identify it, some brands to try and avoid if possible, and some more brands to consider if you can. But before we do, though, I want to talk about something. I know what I'm about to say is a bit off topic, but I really want this podcast to be totally transparent and relatable. So after a week of introspection and self-reflection, I learned some things that I feel is appropriate to share with you guys, you know? So I had to totally re-edit last week's episode due to a lot of editing errors on my part. It was embarrassing, honestly. And while I was doing all this, I felt a sense of insecurity I haven't felt in so long, like so long. I already hate my voice as it is because of my speech impediment and it's something that I've always struggled with. Because of my lisp, I've always tried to hide it subconsciously by talking super fast, you know, fast enough to make the lisp barely noticeable. But that means that it's sometimes really hard for people to even understand me at all. And I know a lot of you who are listening are young, intelligent women in your 20s, and I know that the 20s are a very crucial time for you. It's a time full of insecurity and uncertainty, but also excitement. And my excitement is I want to be a lawyer, and with my insecurity, a speech impediment, I sometimes feel uncertain about my career and my abilities, but at the end of this editing process, <laughs> at the end of a few hours of pure torture, I realized that I had over 100 listeners on last week's episode with the poor editing, the speech impediment, everything. So even if I do have a speech impediment, I feel like I do have some things to say that other people would like to hear. It's a trade-off, you know, poor speaking for a good message. I shouldn't let something as small as an insecurity stop me from pursuing an entire lifetime full of opportunity doing something that I love. But, you know, I'm only human. And sometimes insecurities make us pause and hesitate. And that's totally okay because we're not perfect. And we have moments of questioning. I know I'm not the only one out there who's gotten insecurity that they're trying to overcome. So if I, a young woman with a pretty noticeable speech impediment, can release a podcast, which is just my voice... For the entire world to hear, then you can do whatever your insecurity is holding you back from. So thank you for listening to that little tangent. Um, But without any further delay, let's just get right into this week's episode. So as I said, today's episode is all about fast fashion. And back in high school, I'd say like my sophomore or junior year, I was shopping at places like Shein without a second thought because it's cheap it's easy access, and like that's what I was looking for, you know? I, I didn't know any better, and no one else had said anything to me about these bad companies. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college, I think, that I first heard the term fast fashion being thrown around. And people were saying, oh, don't shop there. They don't care about human rights or environmentalism. And without a second thought, I, I just kind of stopped shopping there. I was like, no, I don't want to support that stuff. But then I was thinking... 
what what are my options? Like, are all cheap brands fast fashion? Where do I shop? I, I guess I didn't know what to do and how to keep going. So that's when I started to do my own research and figure out what this term fast fashion even means. Because um, I'm sure a lot of you shop here, like at Shein, Romway, Toby, whatever, because they have cute stuff. You, you can't deny that. No matter how you feel about fast fashion, they're on point with the trends. That's part of their tactics, you know? So a lot of you might not know what this term even means. And I've been there. I mean, I was still there for a while. So in order for me to tell you what fast fashion even is, how it's bad, all of that, we got to start with traditional fashion, which goes back to the bad old days. <laughs> so the bad old days, like the 17 to 1800s, is where fashion was really slow. I mean, painfully slow, okay? The production of clothing was very inefficient. It was very tedious where you had to source your own materials. You had to weave your own fabrics and then make your own clothes. So yeah, it sucked. And so like a little side note that I was thinking about, um, they didn't have polyester, okay? They had cotton and I think linen, wool, things like that. And so these are all materials that for the most part are quite absorbent. And showering wasn't exactly easy access back then okay it's not it was it was a luxury to say the least so they were stinky okay they were very sweaty and their clothes were they were just absorbing this sweat and holding on to it and oh god i guess i can't imagine like we should really think about how lucky we are today like we don't have to wear gowns that are just heavy with sweat you know anyway so yeah back then clothing wasn't as easy access but then the industrial revolution introduced new technology including things like the sewing machine and the spinning jenny and these things made fashion pick up steam so clothes were easier to produce they were cheaper and quicker to make things are looking up a little bit you know and eventually dressmaking shops were established and in these shops there were teams of garment workers who were housed to produce clothing the creation of dressmaking shops increased the speed and production of clothes but it also led to the rise of sweatshops and the total neglect of workers safety and human rights for example, the first big garment factory disaster occurred in 1911 where a garment factory in New York had actually caught fire and killed almost 150 workers, in most of which were female immigrants. Ooh, not really, not a step in the right direction. Um, but as time passed in the 1900s, technology was still advancing at a pretty impressive rate, honestly, which allowed clothes to continuously become cheaper and easier to access. And because clothing was much cheaper and easier to access, people could purchase more varieties. And they were able to use the variety in clothing as a way to express individuality through their own style. And then by the late 90s and 2000s, fast fashion has come full swing. Brands like H&M, Shein, Romway, and more were able to take trends from luxury brands, celebrities, and now influencers, and replicate them as soon as the trends hit the streets for an incredibly low price. And that sounds great, right? But it's too good to be true. About 25 years ago, fast fashion wasn't a thing. Back then, shopping wasn't as easy to access and was more so something of an occasion. You know how like, I mean, maybe you guys were different, but growing up, we would go clothing shopping, like back to school shopping a few times a year. And it was always like such a big occasion, you know, like it was so exciting. You'd make a whole day out of it. The clothing had meaning, like some sentiment behind it. It was fun, but now it's just like, you just go on your computer, your phone, whatever, and order $100 worth of clothing and you're done, you know? So yeah, back then, shopping wasn't that easy. 
then all of a sudden, all these brands that offered cheap, trendy, cute clothing were popping up all over the world. And you were being granted the opportunity to look just like your favorite celebrity or influencer for just a sixteenth of the price. And nobody really questioned the rise of these corporations because why should they? I mean, clothing was becoming easier to access and that seemed progressive and inclusive. Like, what's wrong with that? The news didn't really say anything bad of that, you know? But then 2013 hit and... That's when the fast fashion industry's malpractice was exposed. In Bangladesh, a building called Rana Plaza housed five garment factories. And due to this building being built on a filled in pond, as well as being built with substandard building materials, converted from a commercial to industrial use building, and it contained three floors built above the original permit allowance, this building collapsed and killed over 1,000 people, as well as injuring over 2,500. This disaster, which easily could have been avoided, was due to the carelessness and negligence of the building and factory owners, and it was quickly grouped in with the world's worst industrial accidents ever. And while this was a horrible incident, it did finally expose the poor labor conditions the workers of fast fashion had been enduring. It exposed that these workers were being paid some of the lowest wages in the world, and that millions of people, particularly women and children, were always exposed to dangerous, life-threatening working conditions daily. It also exposed the high rates of work-related injuries, accidents, and death that comes with these jobs. And most buildings, like Rana Plaza, don't meet standard building requirements according to construction legislation. But why? The reason is because, like fast fashion garments, their lives are being viewed as disposable. This incident not only exposed the world to the fast fashion industry's dark side, but it also caused an entire eruption in law, but that's just that's a whole other story. The gist of it is, the fast fashion factories produce clothing at groundbreaking speeds. I mean, for example, Shein launches about 500 new styles a day, while Misguided launches over 1,000. And to keep up with this production, these companies need a large amount of workers to produce them. But nobody wants to pay these thousands upon thousands of individuals a decent wage because, you know, that'll add up. So they pay them either just enough to get by according to the law or sometimes they'll just completely bypass laws as some nations don't enforce child labor laws or minimum wage laws as strict as other nations do. So yeah, the workers are paid horribly and the work conditions are horrible because their lives aren't important enough to protect. And, you know, this sounds pretty bad. It really does, but... This is an issue that larger, more privileged nations have a hard time caring about because we can't see the children or the family members being impacted or mistreated. We can't see the conditions that they're facing daily and we're very disconnected with where our clothes come from. And it's sad because pretty much everybody's guilty of this. I know that I've been guilty of it, where we care more about how we look and how we feel in our clothes than the fact that people have actually died trying to make you look good enough for your night out. Like that's sad. And it's sad because I felt that way too. I've done that. Like I've I've purchased from Shein before just not caring. I mean, I, I just didn't care because it's cheap, it's quick, it's fine, you know? But now that you kind of know the background, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. And you know, better yet, imagine that it's your mom or your dad or your sibling going to work at a place like this just to get by. And you're never guaranteed that you'll see them come home. So now that you know what fast fashion is, how it originated, and how dangerous this industry is, let's talk about how you can recognize a fast fashion brand. So there are countless amounts of fast fashion brands. I 
I couldn't even include them in this episode, like all of them. It's just, it's way too many. But say that you come across a brand that you're thinking, oh my, this is some cute clothes. Like, catch me looking good at the clothes. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. If you come across a brand like that and you're not sure if it's fast fashion, here are some key traits to look out for. One is they have thousands of styles that are so on point with current trends. It's almost scary. Like, you just saw this cute corset on some influencer's profile and the next day, this company has come out with this same corset for like $2. Okay, that should be a sign. Another thing is offshore manufacturing. If you see a piece of clothing that has a tag saying where it's coming from, where it's been produced, and it says China, Bangladesh, India, Vietnam, Indonesia, that could be a sign too. Another trait to look out for is the material of the clothing article itself is very cheap, very poor quality. It's usually made of an unhealthy material. Um, And this is all because the garment is meant to fall apart, okay? You're meant to throw it away, so you'll fall victim to the disposable clothing cycle and keep spending more money at these companies. And the last one is there's a lack of transparency on the website. There is no about us page. There is no explanation of sourcing or quality or founders or staff or anything, okay? You don't really know where your clothes are coming from. That's a huge sign. And if I just said like five seconds ago, there are countless fast fashion brands that have just risen to power in about the last decade, I'd say. And if I were to name all of them, we'd be here for actual hours. So I'm just going to name a handful of both online and in-person fast fashion companies. So you'll get the gist. So for fast fashion companies that have an online presence mainly, we have Shein, Princess Polly, Romway, Toby, Mango, Boohoo, Primark, Misguided, Fashion Nova, AliExpress, Uniqlo, Pretty Little Thing, and the original fast fashion dynasty herself, Zara. So those seem, honestly, I feel like a lot of people know those are fast fashion already. That really isn't surprising if you ask me, but when I saw the lists of the in-person fashion companies that are fast fashion, it just blew me away. Let's just get into them. So there's H&M, Forever 21, Topshop, Urban Outfitters, Brandy Melville, American Eagle, Old Navy, Gap, Anthropology, Airy, Victoria's Secret, and even Nike. Now for some weird reason, I just, I always assumed that in-person stores were not fast fashion. I mean, I don't know why. I can't explain why. That's just how my brain worked. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked. I mean, I, I saw H and M and Forever Twenty One because no offense, but the quality isn't the quality isn't the greatest. So seeing these brands like Urban, Airy, Brandy, Anthropology, and Victoria's Secret all just kind of shocked me. I mean, it's just I didn't expect that, and it kind of opened my eyes. Where are we expected to shop sustainably in person? That was my cat. It's kitty kitty. She's like in the mood to play, but I guess I don't have the time. You might hear her meow again. I can't help it. Um, it's Halloween coming up. She's a black cat. This is like her favorite time of the year, but whatever. So where are you expected to shop in person? At this point, my mind goes to my local mall and there's literally nowhere in that mall that has clothes for women my age that isn't labeled as fast fashion. And I live in Nova where there's usually a pretty big diverse range of shopping options for anyone to choose from, but I not one comes to mind. Literally not one comes to mind. And 
you're not always going to find or you're not always going to have access to a sustainable shop to purchase clothes from and they make you feel the most confident. And that's okay. You're not in control of the shops around you. That's not your fault. And it's honestly frustrating seeing how many brands are considered fast fashion. And it's more so frustrating because it's so impractical to expect everyone to just stop shopping at these places. They're pretty much our only option. And and I did not know that. Like, I did not think that these brands were as bad as they were. I mean, for God's sake, I did research on Urban Outfitters and they had a lawsuit and all this stuff happening to them about not paying their workers fair wages. They even asked employees in the U.S. if they could work on the weekends for free. Did you know that? Because I did not know that, but now you know that. Anyway, um, yeah, in last week's episode, I was pretty forward and pretty confident when I said that you should really limit your fast fashion consumption. And don't get me wrong, I still believe that you should try to at least look at better quality companies if possible. A lot of newer companies coming out are definitely aware of the fast fashion disasters and they're looking to reform the industry through creating a better brand and a better option for consumers. But The more research that I do, the more upset I get, especially because since I'm the one telling you all this, I feel like I have to be the perfect consumer and only shop at slow fashion companies. And you know, I do try my best. I always search through small and ethical companies first because it's what I'm passionate about. But there are times where I've just, I've exhausted my resources. There's literally nowhere in the area for me to shop in person. And I don't really shop in person ever. When I do, it's one of those rare luxuries I treat myself to a few times a year. And I usually do it with my mom, you know, like some mom bonding time. Or I'll do it with a friend for a special occasion. It's never just like, oh, go to the store and get something, you know? So what I'm trying to say is fast fashion is all around us. You don't have to be the perfect consumer to care about the well-being of the planet and other people. In reality, the only way that a drastic, immediate, and permanent change in the trajectory of the fashion industry can be made is through law and activism. That's really it. However, small-scale change does matter. Continue to give small businesses and ethically made brands a chance, but don't beat yourself up. Do you remember what I said last episode about choosing the lesser of two evils if you have the choice? Not all fast fashion companies are created equal. Some fast fashion brands, while still not the most ethical or sustainable, they have shown promise and effort to make steps towards a better place. I mean, for example, If you have the choice, choose H&M over Boohoo or Shein. So H&M is a fast fashion retailer with both an online and in-person presence. And due to some law trouble and some reevaluation, H&M is currently making strides to become a more ethical and sustainable company. They've actually started producing lines of clothing that's using recycled materials, as well as paying workers livable wages. And you actually have the chance to recycle old clothes at some H&M stores, like give them clothes that you currently don't wear, And then they give you a discount in return for future purchases. Not bad. I kind of like that incentive. For a fast fashion company, that's really progressive. That's definitely something that should get us all a little bit excited, you know? There are also mainstream brands that have really been making an effort towards a more sustainable future. And I was pretty impressed when I looked at a few options. For example, Levi's. As we mentioned in the last episode, cotton is one of the most water-intensive crops in the world. However, Levi's has been making some serious strides in the fashion industry for a while now. You know, their jeans are great quality that aren't meant to be tossed after a few wears. I mean, think about how much of a goldmine it is to find a pair of Levi's at a thrift store. That should say enough about their quality. 
they create pieces that are meant to last and they're timeless they're good quality they don't go out of style you know the brand is also a part of the better cotton initiative where the focus is on reducing water consumption another mainstream brand that's just been doing amazing things in terms of sustainability is patagonia for the last 30 years patagonia has been donating one percent of their sales to charities for 30 years that's incredible They've also helped to resurrect the Sustainable Apparel Coalition in 2010. They are B Corp certified and they take responsibility for the entire life cycle of the garments they produce. They offer consumers a chance to send back their items to be repaired instead of tossed. And on top of that, they also established almost 500 solar panels at their headquarters. And on top of that, they also have a program for employees called Drive Less, where there's a monetary incentive to employees who take an alternative form of transportation to work, whether it's biking, walking, skateboarding, taking public transportation, carpooling, things like that. That's incredible. It's a company that cares about the planet, about the well-being of other people, that actually cares about their employees. That's just amazing to me. Aside from these two brands and choosing H&M over some certain fast fashion companies, I have an Excel sheet with some good quality brands to consider that have a big focus on sustainability and ethically made products, and a lot of them are small businesses. The link is in the bio, as well as the link tree on my Instagram page. I said it last week, but I didn't put it up yet because it's not filled out completely, and it still isn't. I'm not going to lie. Um, I really don't have an excuse as to why it's not, but the brands are there, the websites are there, so you can still look and do your own research, but they're really good brands, just give them a chance if you can. The spreadsheet is six pages, um, there's a page for clothing, one for jewelry, skincare, makeup, hygiene, and supplements. So if you have a brand that you love, or you yourself own a company or business that's sustainable or ethical, and you want other people to know, then please DM me on Instagram. So yeah, we are completely surrounded by fast fashion. There are some retailers you can go to that do care. You know, there are a lot that do want reform like we do, but it's still hard to come by in person. So just don't be too hard on yourself. Do your best. The fashion industry pretty much sets you up for failure. Your options are limited from the start. And a lot of these retailers and textile wholesalers hide their malpractice and intentions from us. We don't have control over that. Just try your best to shop locally or from small businesses from sustainable and ethical businesses that you might find from your own research secondhand choose a better company than others you know there are some small steps you can take as we said but it's still a really difficult field to navigate so just do your best and forget the rest (laughs) okay but don't forget the rest like don't forget everything that i said to you it's very important information Anyway, um, and before we end the episode, I just thought it was a good idea to shout some people out that have been advertising living a sustainable lifestyle without sacrificing luxury. Look them up on Instagram, on social media, whatever, and see what brands that they're looking at because they have some pretty good taste if I don't say so myself. So I'm just gonna list off their names and if you want, you can look them up. So there's Kathleen Ellie, Marielle Elizabeth, Celine Simon, I think it's Aja Barber. Claire Press, Kate Eves, Carmen Jenny, Sydney Grace, Jasmine Hemsley, Lydia Okello, Shannon Buckley, Emma Slade Edmondson, Aditi Mayer, Dominique Drakeford, Lauren Singer, and Natalie Kay. There's definitely more. If you know them, please just let me know. But yeah, if you want to check these people out, they are incredible. 
So yeah, that's the episode. I know it's a bit on the shorter side, but I guess it didn't really make a lot of sense to make it longer. I mean, we covered a lot last week, so I didn't really want to repeat myself. And I also didn't want to bore you guys. Um, Last week was definitely very fact-based, a lot of facts viewing, and I guess it wasn't the easiest to follow along with, especially with my poor editing, but I hope this week was easier to digest. I hope it was calming, just talking about how much we hate the fast fashion industry, but like hate it not only for the companies, but for the fact that we have no options. Anyway, anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, that is, that has been this week's episode. Um, For next week, you know, I'm just, I'm really tired of being so fact-based. I feel like the last two episodes have been super research-driven and I kind of want to have an episode that's more about advice and personal experience and opinion. So I think I'm going to break up the trend every other episode. Um, One episode might be more fact-based and the next week might be a bit more opinion and emotion-based. So next week, I think we'll do something like that, more opinion-based, more emotional. And then the following week, we'll do something research-based like skincare, diet, exercise, makeup, things like that. Also, in case you didn't notice, I didn't ask a question. Um... I don't think we're going to do that anymore. It's not very popular. Not a lot of people are responding, but I do still want you to think about the episode after it's over. Um, So I'm going to ask you a question just for yourself, just to think about, just to reflect, you know? Um, So the question for today is, while you may not be able to completely cut off fast fashion, do you think you're able to make even the smallest change? So hopefully that'll give you something to think about. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a good review on iTunes. And if you did not like this episode, DMs are open, honey. You know, just come on in. Our Instagram is at so you want to be that girl. And we really want to know what you think and any topics you want to cover, questions, concerns, things like that. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and sticking by me. Um, And I hope you have an excellent week. I hope that something good happens. I hope you eat something yummy. I hope you see a pretty flower. I don't know. I hope something makes you really happy. So that's all for now. Talk to you next week. Bye.